Hey guys, this is your host Harley and welcome to episode 4. Thank you so much guys for your support and I cannot do this without you. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode with JD. I had so much fun recording this one and learned so much from him. What an amazing guy and I hope you guys enjoy it. JD Stefan, I'm originally from South Dakota. That's where I'm living back home right now. Um, I've kind of traveled all over the place working for different places and been about every state west of here working somewhere along the way um i'm back home and just riding colts and doing a little bit of rawhide braiding and leather braiding and um kind of where i'm at right now i guess nice so what exactly do you do in the horse business uh primarily starting colts um i've been doing that since i started doing it pretty much full-time since 2015, I think. Um, never really did get into the, the rodeo scene or ring cow horse or anything like that. It was kind of more just doing it for the horse for me, I guess. Um, it never really interested me. I got into a couple cold starting challenges over the years and have done a few of them. Um, it's kind of the same thing there. It just didn't really entice me too much. I'd rather be at home and just work on the horses and kind of enjoy my time with them more than anything. But uh, primarily cold starting, I've done a handful of clinics, um, do some ranch roping clinics as well. I like to do a little big loop roping, try to hit a few of them as I can that are close or not real common around here. But What is big loop, big loop roping? Um, kind of like the vaquero tradition, buckaroo, where it's, I guess you would say, a little less um, no stress roping. Uh, you have different shots for different positions on where you're set up rather than, you know, just lining them out and getting them roped. You can kind of rope them from about anywhere they're standing and just saves a lot of stress. You know, if you got a sick calf, you don't want to run him around anymore than you have to. So if you can rope him from where you're at or set up a shot and get him roped and caught, laid down, um, just a lot less stress on your critter and horse alike. Um, you know, if you don't have to take a big jerk from roping big cattle, uh, it just kind of helps on that, you know, with the long ropes and slick horns, you can slide a little bit of rope, and it just takes away some of the jerk from your horse and saves on them a little bit. If you got to rope very many throughout a day, it don't take long to wear them out. Oh, interesting. That's a good point of view. Yeah, it's kind of fun. It, uh, a lot of, like, the the Texas guys or the cow punching guys, was kind of, it's kind of a running feud back and forth, and everyone's got their own style. But, um, I think it's just a little bit more practical you know a lot of people say you're trying to show off or do something big and fancy and i don't think they fully understand you know how practical they can be and there's shots that get fancier and kind of more for looking cool i guess if you'd want to call it that but for the most part it's pretty much just practical stuff that you know little things that a lot of people don't think of probably well it's always good to expand your skill knowledge you know trying different things and learning different ways to try to figure out what you like and what works for best for you. And it doesn't mean it's going to work good for your horse that you're riding. You need to know different techniques that works with your horse. Absolutely. I totally agree. Um, I was just thinking about that the other day, actually. Um, I got my nephew comes and helps me quite a bit. He's 11 and pretty handy for his age. And he's just a lot of fun to be around. He's kind of my right hand man, but um, he's helped me ride some horses earlier this hour he was riding some colts for some ponies for a guy actually and uh, 
he was getting frustrated one day, having a hard time getting him to turn around and having a hard time getting forward motion. And he was starting to get kind of frustrated. That was kind of what I explained to him. Like, well, you got to experiment different things. If you keep doing the same routine and getting the same results, you're not ever going to get different results. You kind of got to change it up and try different things. Um, that's just kind of been a big philosophy of mine, I guess, through the cold starting deal is can't be afraid to go out and try something different and see what you can get for results. No, exactly. That's a good age to start him on that and learning it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> He's uh, pretty handy for his age. He, there's been days we've pulled him out of school and he's come help work cattle. And honestly, there's days that I'd probably rather work with him than a lot of guys my age. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. <laughs> yeah, he's a lot of fun. It's kind of neat to see the younger kids kind of getting into it. It's not a real common thing anymore, especially no. just working in general. But you know, I... cowboys, it's kind of fun to see him interested in it. It's a dying breed. It is for sure. And it's sad, and that's, I want to shed more light onto that, because it is an amazing skill, and just amazing lifestyle. There's there's nothing that beats it. I totally agree. Um, you know, I think a lot of people see pictures that, you know, that might not be part of this industry, but um, they see a lot of the romantic parts of it, you know, getting to trail cattle out in gorgeous country and whatever else, but they don't see a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff where you popping an abscess on a sick critter or, um, you know, the real early mornings or late nights and covered in cow shit and everything else. And they see the they see the romantic side of it, but not everyone gets to see the, the reality of it, I guess. No, I agree with you. Like, my, my therapy is cleaning horse stalls. I'll gladly yep. go to somebody's barn. If I have a bad day, I head over to my friend's barn, and I, she's got about 30-some-odd stalls, and I'll just grab a wheelbarrow and a pitchfork and just start cleaning. <laughs> and it's just me with my own thoughts, just smelling the horse manure. It's just so therapeutical for me. Absolutely. That's, you know, I kind of slowed down on the cult starting here in the last couple of years. Um, just for the same reason, it got to where when I first started it, I had these big dreams of really being a big, famous horse trainer and known worldwide and really wanted to make it big and the bigger I got the more I decided that that really was the life for me I was kind of getting away from what I started with with the horse I think Mm -hmm. Um, it kind of became more of a job than it did therapeutic for me anymore so I've kind of slowed back down a little bit Um, I really appreciated that getting back to kind of what got me into it the reasons I was doing it I guess no, exactly. Once it turns into a job and you're no longer happy, you gotta stop. Yep. And that's that's one of the things I did too. Like I started to train people and give lessons and work other people's horses, and it just got to the point where I was just didn't want to get out of bed anymore and go do it. <laughs> yeah. It, was, it became a chore. Yep. No, I think at one time I had fourteen or fifteen head of horses here that I was trying to get rode every day and you know on top of everything else that needed done um it just it took all the fun out of it for me and it you get working on a a time frame where you got to have this done by such and such time and it just it wasn't working anymore it got to where it's almost miserable and i didn't even want to look at a horse for a while yeah i've maybe ridden 20 times in the past year 
I've taken quite a step back because of the pregnancy and everything like that. And you know what? I miss it like crazy. And I, I think I needed that break though. I, I just needed to find myself again and to find the passion for it again to get back into it and have that drive I used to have. Definitely. Yeah, that's, and that goes with everything in life. I mean, too much of anything can be more trouble than it is good, I think. Yep. But uh, I know exactly that's what I want to do, and I've figured out which direction I want to go with the horses, and it, it was a good break to clear my head and find it. Definitely. And, and that goes to say for anything you do in life, if anybody in life, if they're doing an office job, if they're doing mechanics, whatever they're doing, if they love it, but then it becomes a job and they start despising it, you, you gotta be happy. You gotta, you can't overdo it. Yep. That was, when I first started riding horses, my mom was really on me about, you know, I needed to find a real job and something with benefits and steady pay and everything else. And, um, I didn't want to live the rest of my life living paycheck to paycheck and all the jazz that you're mothers get worried about but i feel um, you on that <laughs> <laughs> i would rather take waking up excited to go to work every day and you know paying my bills and enjoying my life than having all the money in the world and wake mm-hmm. up being miserable going to work and not happy no exactly i am 23 years old and my parents are still after me about it and <laughs> i have two kids <laughs> they're like go get a real job and no i honestly i love doing what i do and yeah, yeah, I went back to school for business, but I want to use my business degree to be in the horse industry. Yeah, for sure. And that's that's the goal. But the goal is to honestly just ride horses for the rest of my life and be happy. <laughs> that's that's my plan. Hopefully, if I can stay sound enough to do so. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's not easy. It's hard on your body and. You gotta pick and choose what you're doing at the end of the day, but it's a lifestyle and that's what you do. Yep, 100%. Yeah. So you got into the rawhide recently, correct? I did, yep. What made you go for that? Um, kind of the same thing. You know, I kind of wanted to back off on taking in so many outside horses and I was looking to do something different. I wanted to didn't really necessarily want to spend all winter freezing my ass off out in the cold <laughs> and is probably a big reason of it. And then, you know, if I was to ever get busted up or whatever that I couldn't ride horses, uh, that's really all I knew how to do. So I figured I'd better kind of have a, a backup. And I went to saddle making school here oh, four or five years ago. I do a little bit of that. And then the braiding deal, just part of it was, I wanted good gear, but I could never afford it, so I decided mm-hmm. to start making my own and kind of made a little side business out of it, getting you out of the cold weather when I don't have to be. And just kind of a fun little hobby, I guess, that I can make a little bit of money off of. Yeah, a little side hustle. Yeah, definitely. And it takes your brain away from the horses for a little bit. You know, you're having a bad day. Well, you just go in the shop, turn your music up, and yep. start working. Yeah, it's kind of nice, just like you were saying earlier, just you and your own thoughts and it gets pretty repetitious you know when you start braiding and you just kind of get into this groove and you don't really you kind of lose sense of all your surroundings and you just kind of get in a zone and you start braiding and thinking and before you know it it's two or three o'clock in the morning <laughs> it's time to go to bed 
Oh, no, exactly. Like, I, I've got the craft side going, too. Like, I do a lot of that stuff, too. And when, like, the braiding, um, the second you start braiding and, like you said, you lose yourself, sometimes you don't even think. You're yep. just completely, completely out of it. You're, you're just, your fingers are doing the work. And it's like you're not seeing anything in front of you and you're just clear mind. And honestly, sometimes that is the best therapy to have. When you go out on the trail ride, sometimes that's the same thing, too. You just let your horse just walk and you zone out and it's just take big breaths of the fresh air and it's just like the best therapy oh i there's agree 100%. nothing better out there it's yeah, just, clear your mind yep just shut it off completely and don't worry about anything else no exactly and your horse got your back and when you're ready to come back to the world uh, away you go yep and it's it's a nice feeling it is i I really enjoy it. It's, I know I take a lot of pride in, you know, being able to get to build your own stuff. Um, you know, get a slow day or something, I'll get to thinking, you know, I'll be riding a, a horse that I had started from the ground up and then get to thinking of all the gear that I'm using that I built from the ground up. And it's just, you know, kind of makes you prideful to see all that stuff. And like, oh, it's kind of neat that, you know, everything you're using, you've, you've done yourself and just. It's satisfying. It is. You, you feel yep. like you've accomplished something, and it's it's just such a nice feeling. Absolutely. So you're in the shop working right now. What are you working on? I can hear you braiding away. A, a set of Makati reins right now, just some paracord ones. But. Oh, nice. So you're working with paracord, too. Yep. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, about the only thing I really braid with paracord anymore is Makati's, but... Okay gonna have to pick your brain a bit on the paracord thing too then my boyfriend's really into paracording and he's starting to stretch out his what he does he just usually made bracelets and stuff like that but i got him to make some reins this year oh yeah and some little little things but he enjoys it it's nice yeah it's a lot of fun um it's kind of a nice break from rawhide where you can just kind of pick it up and work on it as you please and put it away with rawhide you're kind of limit on time you got to let it case up and be the right moisture content and yep. it's pretty time consuming so you kind of got to plan it out a little bit paracord is just pick it up and go so i've it's never a nice break i've never worked at rawhide before i've just recently started mule tape and then i'm going to uh-huh. start doing some mohair so that's i'm excited about the mohair oh yeah that's a lot of fun i've made some makati reins out of mohair oh, nice. it's different stuff to work with i kind of like it any uh any tips um not that I can think of. I, <laughs> I haven't used it enough to really say that I'm good at it or not, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I bought myself a little starter kit from You Braid It just to oh, see yep. if I like it. So it comes with like, the DVD, the book, and then like just the, the hardware to do one cinch and two different colors and then your other little materials that you need to do it and stuff. So I'm excited to slap that DVD into the TV and braid away now i was gonna buy yeah. the jig for it but then when i saw the price of the jig i was like holy moly so a nice old piece of barn wood and some screws and we're good to go <laughs> i can give you the same advice that i give my nephew when he goes to tie his horse up he'll start tying it up and then he'll forget and he'll give me that look like i'm gonna give him an answer and i just say if you can't tie a knot tie a lot <laughs> <laughs> that's funny that's a good one i suck at knots I'm horrible at them. <laughs> really bad. 
kind of takes a little bit of practice to get them figured out. Once yeah. you kind of get the basics of them, they're a lot of them are about the same. You can kind of dissect them a little bit. You know, I've been do I've been riding horses for pretty close to eighteen years now, and freaking every time I tie a horse up with those slip knots, they're always different every single time. And then sometimes I'm like, what the hell did I do? And then I'm trying to pull it apart. And I, I just, I got so lazy at it. So like, just teach my horses how to stand there now. <laughs> it's just like, it's like my brain just can't wrap it around the simple knot. And my boyfriend's, he's really, really good with knots. And every time I do a knot, he just like, what the hell is this crap? And he's just like trying to show me and I'm like it's not going to work people have been trying to show me for years for some reason I cannot figure out the knots well now you can just share that little tip that if you can't tie a knot you just tie a lot I like that I think that's going to be my go to <laughs> but yeah but hey at least like his biggest pet peeve that I do is I'll throw the horse in the stall my my mare she's 27 years old she knows damn well she's stand there on a it ain't gonna work out very well for her. And so I'll walk into the stall, do a U-turn, drop the drop the reins, take take the saddle off. She literally just stands right there, reins across her neck, no care in the world. Take the saddle off, go put it on the t- in the tack room, come back. Stall door is even open too. She does not move a foot, and. He's just like, you can't keep doing that. You know, sometimes you're going to get a horse that's not going to do that. I'm like, well, they're going to learn. They're going to learn. <laughs> yep. And he's like, why don't you just tie them to, to the cross, to the um, the hook on the stall? I was like, I don't feel like it. <laughs> three extra steps. Take the bridle off, put the halter on, put the lead rope, tie it. No. Uh, no. And it's not a bad thing for them to learn how to stand there. No, not at all. And especially to understand that they are not to walk out of the stall unless you are asking them to walk out of it. Yep. And that is the one of the biggest pet peeves I have is when I clean stalls and stuff like other people's horses, they don't have any respect. They'll run you over to come through that door. They'll push on your wheelbarrow to try to get out to get to the next door horse or to go into the green room or whatever they're trying to do. And... It's, no, if you can't stand there, you're going to learn how to. And sometimes she'll stick her head out and she'll, she, it's, she's about to put a paw out. Like, just, she's lift, lightly lifting her hoof to kind of step out, right, to get a better look at what's going on. And I'm like, excuse me. And then second, she hears my voice. Her paw goes right back where it's supposed to be. <laughs> I had lived in montana for a while and i spent a summer on a dude ranch <laughs> me and my buddy garrett both had these horses that were in our string and we could go out and catch them in the morning and we'd have 200 head of horses in the krills and we'd walk up by the gate and our horses would see us and they would walk their way through the rest of the horses and we'd open the gate and the horse would walk out and turn around and face us while we shut the gate and then we'd turn and we'd walk them up to the feed bunks and they'd stand there <laughs> eat their grain while we saddled them and never did put a halter on them <laughs> we'd get them caught but it was pretty neat well the second they learn the the respect and it's a routine with them and everything like that you no longer have an issue with them they just yep. need to just, learn it yep all about consistency exactly and like i'm explaining with the relearning the respect for the stall and not coming out of the stall and stuff i'm not saying that i had to beat my horse to do that 
it was consistency. Every time yeah. they take a few steps, I'd pull on the lead rope, pull back, you know, and yeah, sometimes I wasn't nice about it, but by what I mean by that is just, you know, you just, you use your body language and you show that, hey, I'm in, I'm in power right now. I'm the boss. You keep your feet there. Yep, definitely. And I say it's no different than a child. You, It's not that you're being mean. You're just being fair and strict and there's rules you got to follow and that's all there is to it. Yep, nope. And same thing with training a horse in the arena or whatever. They don't want to do it. Well, you're going to work on it. You're going to teach them. And the quicker they learn and the quicker they stop doing what you're trying to correct them on, the easier their training is going to be. If every horse would understand that, hey, if you just turned left when I asked you to, do you think we're going to be doing this for the next 45 minutes? We could have been done within 30 seconds. So the faster you do it, the easier your training is. Absolutely. You know, that's that's kind of the my philosophy, I guess, through my horsemanship is, you know, I don't care so much about, you know, getting the correct maneuver or the correct this or that. Um, to me, it's all about try and effort. You know, if you're going to put in the effort to make an attempt, you know, I'm going to praise the hell out of you for exactly. it. Exactly. It's little stuff. Pretty soon they start hunting up that reward and it don't take long and you show them something new and they pick it up just in the blink of an eye because they've learned how to, just like we were talking earlier, you know, they experiment, they look for that answer. Mm-hmm. They're trying different things to get that answer. And before long, boy, they don't take them very long at all to get it figured out. No, I agree with you 100%. It's like the other, about a month ago now, um, Wyatt, my boyfriend, he's learning how to finish horses and stuff like that because he just knows how to ranch break them. So he's learning how to finish them more for like riding pleasure and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so the mayor we're working with, she she has a problem understanding coming off the leg. And so we've been training her and teaching her how to move off the leg and stuff like that. And the other day she did such a good job at it. And it was probably within 10 or 15 minutes of us riding. And I was I looked at him and I was like, you know what, that's it for today. He's like, well, we've only been riding for a few minutes. I said, I don't, it doesn't matter. I said, she understood really well, and she did everything you asked within a short period of time. Let's reward her by giving her the rest of the day off. Yeah, We don't have to ride for 45 minutes. You know, one of the best advices somebody ever gave me was, you don't need to work them and run them for 45 minutes to make them work hard. You need to work their mind, even if it's 5 minutes, 10, 20 minutes. Their mind is tired out as long as you work it, and they could be breaking a sweat quicker than running. You know, Sorry I, about that. You're cutting out. Oh, no problem. Um, you know, like some horses where you, you, you can run them, gallop, and trot them for 45 minutes, they barely break a sweat, but the second you ask them to use their head, within five minutes they're sweating. Yep. It's more demanding to work their mind than to work their body. Absolutely. Um, you know, I've always said that there's no, um, well, I guess trying to find the word, Mm -hmm. um, better way to make a horse than miles. Um, I mean, they got to see some country and they got to get out and do things, but no, that doesn't mean necessarily just going out and pounding rocks without any intent or expectations or anything. I mean, you got to have, you got to keep their mind stimulated, um, make them think their way through it and like you said you can pull a sweat on one just as fast mentally as you can physically and you know in my opinion i don't want a road down wore out horse i like something with a little life because 
you can't teach nothing if you don't have any forward motion. And so if they're just dog tired and not going anywhere, you're not going to get anywhere with them. Um, you know, you can, you can make a gentle horse that way, but there's a lot better ways of making them gentle too, I think, in my opinion. And that goes to say overworking them too. A lot of people, they'll keep working that thing they're trying to get towards, like let's say bending or coming off the hind end, they're overworked that in their session. And it gets to the point where the horse is refusing because they're like, I did it, I don't know how many times, when are you going to let it go? Yeah, that's, I mean, they're no different than us. Eventually, if you start doing the same thing over and over and over again, you're going to get bored and frustrated. Um, just like my nephew, Max, you know, he's getting frustrated with getting that horse to turn or go forward or whatever the case was. You know, if you don't try something different or move on, you know, they've got to keep their mind stimulated. they got to keep something, they got to have something to keep their mind busy. Mm-hmm. That that goes to say another little good little trick for forward motion is if they're refusing to go straight, you turn them to the left or right, and then you zigzag back towards the direction you're going. It's oh, yeah. it just tricks their mind into doing it. They're like, oh, okay, she's asking something different, but you're you're getting the same result. You're you're going back towards what you want. Yeah, and it, definitely. It just it plays with their mind and it keeps it stimulated, like you said. Yep. Um, that's, you know, probably one of my biggest things is, you know, if I want something to lower its head or whatever, move a hip over, you know, very seldom will I, you know, specifically, you know, work on that. You know, if I wanted him to lower his head, you know, chances are I'm not going to pull my reins to get his head down or lead rope or whatever. You know, I'm going to do probably just the opposite. And if they want to fight me, you know, they're searching for that answer. So if their head's wanting to go up, I'll bring their head up. And then pretty soon, hey, that's uncomfortable. I'm going to put my head down. Well, now they just found it, and I didn't have to get into a fight with them. Um, you know, just giving them something to think about, work at it. And the the more you can do that, I think, the more they're searching up for that right answer, and they'll, they're going to try their heart out for you to find, find that relief from you. Yep. And it, not every technique works for the same horse, but... Once you figure them out and they find the answer, life is so much easier. Yep. Uh, I was just thinking about that the other day. Uh, I think I saw a video somewhere, something about Clinton Anderson and the Clinton Anderson method and this and that. You know, I've always kind of had a hard time with the term natural horsemanship, too. And there's so many different methods or styles or whatever you want to call it. And in my opinion, there's different types of horsemanship there's good horsemanship and there's bad horsemanship yeah i don't care what style or method or whatever it is you want to use is if you're not doing it with good intentions you're not getting anything done anything productive in my opinion i agree 100 percent. there's some things that clint anderson does that are pretty neat and i like them and there's other things that i'm like just iffy on but that's my personal opinion we all have our opinions, and it just some things work for others, and some things work that don't work, you know. I didn't catch a lot of that. You were cutting out again. Sorry. Oh no worries. Here, I'll switch over to my. You might be gaming, so I'll switch over to my. Can you hear me now? Yep. No, I can. There we go. I think he's gaming. I'm always on my oh. Wi-Fi. We have oh. horrible internet out here. <laughs> I, today I was driving around and I saw a bunch of trucks working on the lines and that said the internet company, so I kind of got excited. I was like, ooh, maybe they're installing something better out for us. 
It's one internet provider out here. Take it or leave it. <laughs> Better than a poke in the eye with a sharp stick, I guess. <laughs> That's a good one. So, how's the livestock um, um, agents thing? Sorry, I was looking for my oh, word. The, the brand inspecting. I oh, brand new inspecting. That's it. That's it. Yeah. I watch too much Yellowstone. Can you tell? <laughs> I'm having some major withdrawals because yesterday's episode played and I haven't watched it yet, so that's all in my head. Oh, sure. <laughs> it was another good one. It kept you on your toes, that's for sure. Oh, shh, don't tell me. <laughs> I was good all day because, like I said, I've been in front of my computer all day working on my, my homework and stuff like that, so it took everything I had not to put that episode on the side panel of my computer <laughs> and not watch it because that's something we watch every night together, every weekend. <laughs> takes everything I've got. <laughs> no it's i guess i really haven't i was supposed to start doing some training for it and i haven't haven't got the call to do much of it yet so i can't really say that i've done a whole lot to tell you how it's going i guess oh well how about you talk about it a little bit maybe we'll educate some people on it because i don't know much about it on how it works and what exactly it is uh so basically um in south dakota it's split basically down the middle with East River and West River, the Missouri River runs through. And the western part of the state is ownership inspection area, which is uh, brands. Then east side of the river doesn't have to have brands. And so um, I guess you're just kind of, when something comes to the sale barn, you have to inspect brands. You know, basically it's more for if a neighbor's critter got in with yours or something like that that you happen to miss. Um, just kind of helping people see that, I guess. But you know, then there's the possibility of theft or whatever that you have to kind of keep an eye out for, but it's not real common around here. And then, so, like, there's sail barns on the east side of the river that people from West River, if they take over there, they have to have them inspected. But people from the east side don't have to have them inspected. So um, I guess I'm not really sure why it is that way or what the difference is. But um, And then, you know, horses and stuff, they cross state lines or anything like that they have to be brand inspected um there's a lot of feedlots around here that shipping cattle from out of state and cattle coming in from out of state that's all got to be inspected and brand releases and ownership papers and basically getting like the title from your car i guess basically yeah no it's a good way to keep track of your livestock and know who's who's i honestly prefer the brand over the ear tag Oh yeah, that's everyone. Everyone pretty much ear tags around here, but it's you know they can get pulled out pretty easy, and that's more or less for you know if you're neighboring with somebody and fence gets down or something, you can ride through. And, you know, generally people try to have different colored tags for their neighbors and stuff, and they're a little easier to spot. But it's it's not 100 percent surefire like a brand. You know, that's pretty much shows plain and simple who's it belongs to. Yeah, no, it's ear tags. They don't heal. Sometimes they can heal heal really bad. They're a little harder to maintain. They can rip the cow's ear out. They're easier to take off when you do steal cattle. Yep. You know, it's so easy to take off a plastic piece and put it on something else. So once that's done, there's just no telling what's what. Yeah. Uh, but is. if you rebrand over somebody else's brand, that's more a lot easier to tell. Oh yeah, I got a couple border collies that really think ear tags are chew toys. And- they usually get ripped out pretty commonly too, so. <laughs> yeah, it's down here where I'm from, we don't brand at all. 
there's a couple of people that brand their horses more in out of all honesty it's more of a wannabe thing sure. <laughs> but uh, us it's a lot of ear tags and we raise cattle uh, i don't know if you ever heard of american milking devons uh-uh. um so we were the first ones in canada to bring them over about 15 years ago now and we only had a small herd of about 13 of them like nothing major and so they were older cows like we got a bunch of heifers and then we had our our bulls where we got them as little youngsters and stuff like that and so quebec's like this is our pretty much our it's not our first time raising cattle but everything we'd bought in the previous years was already tagged and stuff like that and so we never overthought it and then quebec uh, with their laws they're like well you gotta tag your cattle and stuff like that well these these cows are gorgeous looking cows and we're like my mom was like i am not putting tags in their ears <laughs> it is not happening and honestly i i agree with her because it just there's so much that can happen like i said ripping out the ear and making more damage than anything and they're just ugly to look at <laughs> i honestly rather look at a nice brand yep I, I i'd be more proud seeing a brand than a tag on my cattle yeah, definitely. You know, it's kind of a, a pride thing, too. You know, if you got a family brand that's been in the family for a while, or, you know, it just kind of gives you something, a symbol, that, you know, that's mine that nobody can take from you, I guess, kind of. No, exactly. And a lot of people bra- think branding's cruel, but honestly, like, they don't really feel it that much. No, it, it happens so fast and it scabs over. I mean, it's... There's a little discomfort there, but it's not anything unbearable. Nope. And Probably no worse than a person getting a tattoo, I would say. No, exactly. It's, well, honestly, I think a tattoo is worse. <laughs> because that's, I, I've got, I have a, my first tattoo. I only have one tattoo currently, and it's right on my wrist. I had the bright <laughs> idea to get the first one on the wrist. That one was painful. <laughs> and that was about 45 minutes of the constant little buzzing with the tiny little e- needles jabbing you constantly. So I think that one's worse, honestly, because it's constant pain. It's not within seconds and then done. You know what I mean? <laughs> I do. I, I've got a few myself. I almost find it halfway therapeutic myself. It's, I am going to get, like, this one I got five or six years ago, so I haven't had a chance to go get another one. I'm actually planning to go get some next, on the weekend. Not, oh, what are we here? This weekend? Next weekend? No, this weekend, yeah. I'm trying to remember when my birthday is. <laughs> I had that little <laughs> moment there. Somehow I've lost like a week in my schedule. I don't know where it went. Don't ask me. <laughs> but, um, no. The other day we were talking about, because a lot of people brand themselves, so I, I had, it was the running joke. I was talking to my boyfriend about it. I was like, would you brand yourself? He was like, honestly, like maybe with enough alcohol I'd do it. I was like, let's, I, I'd probably do it too. <laughs> I don't know why, but I just like that feeling. Like, why not? Yeah, I probably wouldn't be against it, but I don't think I would just go out on a whim and do it. I'd have to kind of prepare myself a little bit of booze myself. Maybe a little bit more than a little. (laughs) Maybe about a bottle. (laughs) Yeah, but there's, no matter what you do in life, there's always going to be negative opinions out from it. And honestly, that's the way of life. I agree. You know, I 
I kind of got away from posting a lot of videos on any social media. You know, I used to make quite a few of them and, you know, share kind of tips and tricks and why I would do this and why I would do that. There's just so many keyboard keyboard warriors that had an opinion and everyone's entitled their opinion. That doesn't bother me a bit, but it just got so old of people just critiquing just for the sake of an argument. And I kind of got away from posting a lot of that stuff that it's just, it's not worth my time and I'm not going to get into an argument about it because everybody does something different. And as long as it works for you, I don't care how you do it, but it does don't come at me telling me I've got to change what I'm doing. If it's working for me, whether you like it or not, it works for me. That's how I prefer doing it. And it's just not worth the time to argue with people or anything like that. And it just got to be a nuisance. So I kind of quit posting a lot of that kind of stuff for that reason. And that's really sad because you've got knowledge to teach people. And there's some people out there that want to learn your method and you're not doing it to hurt anybody or hurt the animals. You're doing it because that's what works for you. Yeah, definitely. And that's, you know, kind of my theory behind it all is I'm an open book. I will answer any question to my ability that you can throw at me and I will gladly share every bit of advice as I can, but ask me for it. If you're not interested, I don't want to waste my time. You know, I've spent lots and lots of hours studying and practicing and experimenting different kind of stuff to learn what I have, um, you know, whether it be what to do or what not to do. Um, and I will gladly share that with anybody that is as passionate about it as I am. Um, and feel free to ask me about it anytime. I'll gladly share it with you. But as far as just coming out and sharing it to the public to try to prove to anybody that my way is the way or anything like that, um, it's just not really my style, I guess. And where you're going to get the negative feedback is people that don't know what they're doing, people that don't understand the horse industry, or, yeah, even though they are in the horse industry, they don't have the right mindset for it. Yep. And that's where the negativity comes back, comes from. But people like yourself and me and some other people out there, they're, which they're still out there, I believe that they are, where they want to learn as much as they can and take a little bit from everybody and just use it. Absolutely. And if they can't use it because they don't understand exactly how it works or whatever, they still feel like they learned something. Yep. And if, whether you whether you learn what to do or what not to do, you can. You can learn something from anybody. Mm-hmm. Negative or positive. It doesn't matter what yep. it is. You learned something. Yep. Absolutely. If I've learned anything off of social media, it would be TikTok and that I am very unfashionable because I've got more hate from my shoes to my hat to anything that people <laughs> argue about. I, I like TikTok. I like like I like watching people's videos. Like I, I'll watch yours. Like I said the other day when we were talking, there's a few out there that I just, I laughed. I giggled. Like it just gave me a good laugh. And... That's what I like about TikTok is watching, like, like Amanda, she posts some little incremental, quick little snippets of 30 seconds, a minute, sometimes three-minute little videos, and it's like, oh, cool, something I learned today, you know? I feel every day you should learn something about what you're passionate about, and if you're going to sit on your bum all day on the sofa and watch TV 
at least make it useful, you know, play on your phone, read an article about some sort of new disease out there for horses or some sort of new therapeutic or something, whatever, it doesn't matter. Learn something at least. Yep, that's, I have all the respect in the world for Amanda or Reed, Jessica, all these people that have pretty big followings on TikToks and I love watching their videos. They're all very informative and I've got to give them all kinds of respect because the amount of hate comments from people that are just blatantly ignorant to it that come from it is just to me it's not worth it so i think it's awesome that they can still stand up to all that stuff and still post to me it's my tiktok is is more for fun i you know they're doing it you know game clients and whatever else and to me that's just it's a more fun project for me i guess than information information all that i'm just if someone wants to get some knowledge or pick my brain, I'm more than happy to help share whatever knowledge I know, but um, if you're not interested, you don't have to ask, and we'll just continue on like we are. Exactly, and it's taken me a long time to weed out the negativity in my life, like, everything people would say to me, I'd take to heart, and it really made an impact on the way I train horses, and I was like, geez, am I just, am I... idiot literally I don't know what I'm doing am I doing it the wrong way like I I just second guess everything I had spent years learning just because of this one person watching me try to do something and then after like I said like not riding for a little while I was like okay wait what I was doing was working I wasn't trying to hurt the horse I was getting to where I wanted to be I was getting the results I was looking for just because I skipped a step or I added three extra steps or whatever, I got what I wanted. Definitely. And, and that's, that's the problem with social media is it's too easy for people to be bullies. and They don't see anything that's going on in, on the video. No, they just, they're comfortable because they don't have to back it up. They don't have, they're not there to show you what they would do or how they would do it differently. And that's, I, I get a, a real kick out of videos if I post something on there I'll get some kind of remark and you know basically what they're trying to do is get a rise out of you and get to an argument or upset you or whatever I grew up with three older sisters so if you can find the words to really hurt my feelings you really got something going because I just I don't get offended uh, everyone's entitled to do what they please and how they want to do it whatever else it doesn't bother me a bit so that's where I just, I like to have a little bit more fun with that. You know, if someone takes a jab at me, you know, I kind of have some smart-ass remark I'll reply to, but, uh, you know, that kind of stuff, you just can't let it fade yet. It's, it's someone that's trying to get a rise out of you because they don't have to back up what they're saying, and most of the time they have nothing important to say anyway. It's just critiquing, and they can't ever give you an answer of why they would do it differently other than just that they would. Because they don't expect you to come back at them with a quick s- remark or to challenge what they're saying. They just think they're going to say this and you're just going to listen or just take a step back or whatever. They they don't expect it. Yep. And... and uh, I had one video get a little popularity and it was about tightening my back cinch. And uh, nine times out of ten, I have a pretty tight back cinch. There's times where, you know, I'll be out... I'll snug it up in the morning and we'll go gather a big pasture or something like that and it'll get a little bit loose. But for the most part, it's pretty tight. And I had a video of it being tight. I got quite a bit of hate from it. And anyone that questioned it or argued it, I would just simply respond to us, well, 
tell me why you would. I mean, give me, teach me something. Explain to me why you wouldn't have it as tight as this. And that was pretty much the end of the conversation. They couldn't even explain to me why they would do it, but that's just what they learned, and they've never, never even thought to have any reasoning for it. So how about you teach us the difference between a tight cinch and a loose cinch? Um, no, like... In your in opinion. Part of the, what's that? In your opinion. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in this part of the country, you know, we get into some pretty brushy stuff, and, you know, I just went and helped a friend gather some cows down along the river here a week or two ago, and I was basically laying on the side of my saddle. The trees were so thick that I had to lay off the side of my saddle and just close my eyes and let my horse find his way through that, you know, it's so thick. Well, there's easily a branch can come up and get hung up in a loose back cinch and dab your horse in the guts or, you know, even in the summertime, if you got flies real bad, everyone's seen horses kicking at their belly, trying to shake flies off. They reach up, kick a belly, and, um, get their foot caught in the back cinch. You know, I, I do a lot of roping. Uh, you know, I just roped a cow here last weekend. Boss had told me to get a rope and I stepped off to snug everything up. I pulled my back cinch up just as tight as I did my front cinch. And, you know, that just takes a lot of the pressure off your horse's withers. Um, there's a lot of weight on the end of that rope there. Quite a bit of leverage there. And so if you mm-hmm. get that pulled up there, if it's a loose back cinch and that comes tight, the rear end of your saddle is going to come up, slap him in the belly, and you will go for a ride. Everyone thinks that, you know, a tight back cinch is going to make a horse buck or anything like that. Well, it's no different than saddling your horse for the first time or exposing them to something new. I mean, if you do it right from the get-go, it's not any different. No, I mean, I... they've got they've got to experience it, and people are just they they try to avoid the problem rather than addressing it. I guess. No, I agree with you on that one. I did not grow up with a back cinch at all. It was <laughs> the devil, honestly, is what we were trained. You know, that's what I learned, and. You know, I started in the Western Pleasure background. They don't have back cinches. They don't have yep. any of that stuff. And the more and more I got into horse training, and then I started playing around with some cattle out in the States and got into my barrel racing that I'm in now, I was like, I started learning the importance of a back cinch. Like you just explained, it takes pressure off the withers and, and stuff like that. And like right now, this horse we're training, we don't have a back cinch because where we're at, it's there's just no back cinches, you know? Yep. And... and- he, he the this mare is she's a little little cranky so she likes kind of kicking out a little and stopping all of a sudden and stuff like that and the back of the saddle keeps coming up so i'm like no we need a back cinch we gotta put a back cinch on this horse and now she's no longer in training because we're not training her anymore we put an end to it because it just it was not a good fit it wasn't going anywhere but out of all honesty I want a back cinch on that horse. And if she was going to flip out because there's a back cinch or something new, like I said, it's just like saddling the horse the first time. It's something new. Of course, they're going to react. Yeah. It's just yeah. like you reacting to learning a new sport or, you know, you're, you're going to be a little sore or trying new equipment on. It's going to feel weird, you know? Like, I, I don't like scarfs on my, like, tight scarfs on my neck because I just don't like how it's comfort. But I've gotten used to wearing wild rags all of a sudden. It just, it takes getting used to. Yeah, absolutely. And I would rather see someone not use a back cinch than use one improperly, just yes. for safety reasons. But just like you said, I mean, it's it's a new experience. They've got to figure it out. It's no different than your front cinch. You know, so changing the bit on the horse, of course. The, like when you change the bit on the horse, of course they're going to chomp at it and play around with their tongue and open their mouth and look uncomfortable because it's just a different feeling bit. 
Yep. And that's, that's, that's all it is. It's not hurting them. Yeah. No. I've got some videos of putting first rides on some horses, and, you know, there's usually feet tubs and tarps and rope and dummies and everything scattered out throughout my round pen, and I'll put a first ride on. And I've got more comments about, man, you're brave, you know, going riding in there with all that kind of stuff and, you know, a tight back cinch. And if you show it to them all while everything's new, nothing's a surprise. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll ride a colt with first ride with a flag. You know, it's just, you know, something that you make it natural to them. Mm-hmm. Where there's no, you know, if you sneak around for the first few rides and you kind of ease into it, well, now all of a sudden there's something new. Like, hey, where was this the first day of class, you know? Yes, I agree. And they're always going to be a little testy when new things come across, but it's not hurting them. No. And, you know, in my opinion, if you if it's done correctly, they don't even have to get testy about it. Nope. Um, you know, I think the term horse trainer is a terrible term to me because we're not, we're not training these horses to do anything that they won't naturally do. Whether it be they're doing it willingly or anything like that. If you watch a horse out in the wild, if they take off to run and play or whatever, you know they'll roll back and they'll take off. You know, nine times out of ten, they'll be in the correct lead. Um, all we're doing is trying to ask it on demand or on command. Yeah, which um, they're doing more than willingly because they are an eight hundred, twelve hundred pound animal that have every right to snap at us if they want and to do a lot of damage to us. Yeah. Absolutely, and you know, the horse had it made until the man come along. I mean, they they lived their life. They didn't want to bother anybody. They you know weren't forced to do anything. And then man come along and thought, well, we can do this. And then you tried manhandling them, and completely. I mean, you can't blame them for you know putting up a little bit of a fight. And it's not that they're fighting you out of hatred or anything like that. They're just trying to survive. They don't know what the hell we're asking for them. And so if you can set that up to where they kind of find it on their own, they're like, okay, I see how this is working, you know. And pretty soon they start hunting up because they want to go back to that feeling where they were comfortable and safe, you know, and we give them something new. Where they enjoy their job. Yeah, 100%. Barrel horses, cow horses, whatever horses out there, if they're taught how to do it properly and taught to love it, they'll go out there and do it willingly. Like the amount of videos I see on TikTok of, horses out in the pasture hunting the cattle from next from the fence across the fence it's hilarious i love it yep. <laughs> and i'm sorry but tell me that's a horse that doesn't love its job yep absolutely it's it's satisfying to watch because you just you you can tell a lot on how the person is just by looking at their horse yep same thing same way with dogs if my dog doesn't like somebody that tells me right away that there's something wrong yeah it's pretty crazy how keen they can be on that kind of stuff um kind of one of my mentors and i would call him a friend now zach um i remember one time i went out to their place took some colts out there to ride and stay for a while went out to go catch them one day i had this horse that i had a few rides on and just kind of figuring out what a day's worth of work was he'd always kind of been a little bit harder to catch after using him pretty hard for a while, he got even harder to catch. We were out trying to catch him one day, and I was getting upset, embarrassed, because I couldn't catch my horse. Finally, Zach just goes, quit trying to catch the damn thing and teach him how to be caught. And 
it not only helped me it was like oh well that makes a lot of sense but it just kind of opened up the window to so much more of this horsemanship deal you know we get so caught up on fixing a problem or looking for a problem to fix rather than just you know set it up so that they can succeed mm-hmm. now how would you teach a horse to be caught um so in my opinion you know you're gonna get a lot of people they're gonna tell you oh want them to face up um don't let them turn your butt to you whatever else every horse is different um so in my opinion trying to think how i want to word this no i'm not necessarily trying to get him caught but more or less wanting him to be with me mm-hmm. you know we go out there with intentions and just like we were just talking about you know we carry an energy with us that if i'm having a bad day or i'm irritated or whatever else and i go out and catch my horse that's of a bitch be at the other end of the pasture oh god because- yes i had a mare that if you'd walk into the pasture and you're in a bad mood either she'd run away or she was cranky and dangerous yep yeah and it's just you know more or less being the type of person that they want to hang out with you you know no different than your friends if you're grumpy growly old nag all the time your friends ain't gonna want to hang out with you either nope so to me it's not necessarily about teaching them just how to be caught but kind of showing them that hey i ain't so bad we can be buddies and you know even to go out and do a day's worth of work you know i can still go out and work all day long and you know some things might not have gone right and whatever else but when i get home i generally try to be in a pretty good mood because being irritated and upset isn't going to do you any good and it's no different for them. They can go out and you know, we can enjoy a day's worth of work together and come home and they'll be right there at the gate waiting for me tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. One of the methods I like doing on the horses that don't like to be caught, either my horse or somebody else's horse, if I, like, I'll, I'll walk up to them with a, a neutral energy, a positive neutral energy, and mm-hmm. go up for them. And if they don't, if they take off right away, I, I don't give up. I just be like, okay, you want to play this game? I go sit, I go choose a spot usually in the middle of the field, and I'll just sit. Yep. And then they get curious. I'm like, why is she sitting there? What's going on? And then they'll just, usually about five, ten minutes, they come crawling up and sniffing my head, and then that's pretty much it. I I don't see the point chasing them, because you're just teaching them to run away from you. Oh, yeah, 100%. And, And honestly... Uh, the uh, the amount of horses you ride sometimes in a day, if you have to chase all these bloody horses, you ain't going to have the energy to ride them. Yeah, so absolutely. So if, if I have to sit there for an hour for that horse to come up to me, I'd rather do that than waste all the energy. Yep. Because there's, number one, you're teaching them negative things and you're burning your energy. Yeah, absolutely. And well, if I get kind of a new one in that's a little bit wilder, not been handled much you know i'll run him into the round pen yep. i'll even get on another saddle horse and with that other horse in there you know they're they're uh they're feeding off the other horse's energy yeah they're pack animals so they're gonna want to come up that other horse and i can just kind of rub on them from there um <laughs> this is a little bit off topic but one Go thing that a guy had taught me one time is i walked up and was gonna catch his horse so i went to go rub him on the nose quick and i just reached out and rubbed him on his nose we had taken off no big deal just kind of went out about our business 
He said, you know why that horse took off like that? No, not really. And I had reached out with like my palm facing him, and I was just going to kind of scratch my nose with my fingertips. And we carry static electricity in us, and there's just enough shock in there that we probably don't feel it, but they can feel it on their nose. And it was just, it wasn't that he didn't want to be with me or anything like that, but I had shocked him just enough. And so I've always made it a habit now that when I go to touch a horse for the first time, I'll use the back of my hand, and it basically discharges that. And it's just something, a stupid little fact for you, I guess. I did not know that. Yeah. That is very so interesting. I, yeah, I just kind of made a habit of doing that. I guess I can't really say that it's made a whole heck of a lot of difference, but I still do it just because it's a fun fact I could share with somebody. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Another fun fact, completely off topic, but kind of, it's really horse related. My boyfriend had a light bulb that went into his head yesterday in the car. It was hilarious. No, I'm not making fun of, this is just something that made me think of it. Um, people with Down syndrome have another chromosome than us. Mm-hmm. And donkeys have another chromosome. Oh, really? They do. So, I did not that. which a mule will carry on. Okay. So I was. So that's actually very interesting because people with Down syndrome are usually very smart and intellectual, and they're just very different to because they have the extra chromosome. And if you think about it, donkeys and mules are very hardworking and very smart animals too. Mm-hmm. And it just, it's just an interesting thought. I wonder if the science behind it is the same thing. But it's something that interesting would... that he kind of realized yesterday. Yeah, I, I guess I would have never even thought of that. And it's something that I'd honestly be kind of curious, the science behind it, if it's true or not, and if it would be the same thing. But it was a neat fact. Yeah, definitely. When you think about it. Because they are... In, intelligent people and they those animals are intelligent animals too oh and yeah 100 percent. that's one thing i've never messed with which messed much with is mules um i've always kind of wanted to me and a couple buddies had started some we were gonna break them to drive years ago back before i really knew much of any kind of horsemanship so it wasn't anything to brag about or be proud of i guess but that's been about the only experience i've ever had with mules I've actually never seen a mule in real life. Oh, sorry, sorry. That's a lie. That's a lie. I, I've seen one, and it was in the... We were sorting cows and competing in RSTPA and stuff out in the States a little bit. And this guy, he comes over, and he, he's got some really good horses, but one day he brought his mule over for, I don't know, for just giggles. And he puts it in the sorting pen and tries to sort with it. Oh, my God. It was, it was so funny. And that mule maybe probably had like 10 rides on it, not even. I'm being generous saying that. It was, that thing would not shut up. It was just trying to sort cows and just yelling. It was the funniest thing ever. It gave everybody a really good giggle. But I hear a lot of people talk about mules and it's something that I would love to put my finger on one day and play around with and hopefully that's... Yeah, they're they're sure-footed and highly intelligent and pretty great animal and i always told myself if they didn't have them big ugly ears and braid all the time i'd probably ride one but no they're so cute with their big ears <laughs> come on that is what makes them cute well i got some pretty big ears and no one's ever said they were cute so. <laughs> <laughs> no that's that's just mean to judge them on their looks come on <laughs> 
Hold on, that's it's what inside counts now. <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> but they're those ears. That's what they're beautiful with those ears. That's what gets me. <laughs> we'll just have to agree to disagree. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> That, that, that'll be an argument for another day. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but they are good pack animals. I'll give them that. They've got the drive to work those fences and drive those, check Absolutely. everything in cattle, and they're, they're a great animal. Yeah, I would have to agree. So, yeah. But anyways, well, any, what else are we going to talk about today, eh? end of the day they were all getting tired <laughs> <laughs> i got a couple hours of braiding left yet oh boy pack it in but. now did you finish that oh, what was it called you were making last night with the spoons oh the bit hangers the bit hangers that's it did you finish that up i haven't gotten finished up yet i'm kind of waiting on some raw head to soak up and dry back out a little bit so i'm working on a different project tonight but hopefully nice. the next couple days i'll get a little bit more accomplished on that. That's good. Then kind of a fun little project. Yeah, I'm excited to see the picture of that. I want to see, I want to see how that turns out. Yeah, I think it'll be kind of cool. I've, kind of I've had vintage spoons in my head all day. I'm mean, like, hmm, where can I find some of those and play with those? <laughs> those are neat. Yeah, it's something different anyway. I think my grandmother would be pretty upset if I raided her vintage spoon collection. <laughs> you think she'd know? <laughs> oh, no. Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I think I have one in my drawer of utensils for some weird reason. I don't know where it came from, but it came from somewhere. <laughs> Better to ask for forgiveness than permission, right? I say that all the time. It's a good one. <laughs> But everybody I say that to, they're like, we'd rather avoid the situation and not put ourselves into that. <laughs> what fun are they, eh? That's kind of where I'm at. I usually probably open my mouth more times than I should. And it usually gets me in more trouble than it's worth. But yeah, that's... I never have to wonder what's going on in my mind, that's for sure. Because I'll usually just tell you. Yep, that's one of my biggest problems I have, too. And now I'm in school with a bunch of city people that don't understand my lifestyle. <laughs> and I give my opinions way too often when I'm sitting in class, and I don't think my teacher likes it very much. <laughs> my grades are really good, so I think we're okay, but I think in the back of his mind, he doesn't like me. Yeah, it takes all kinds. We had an argument the other day about furs. It's because I'm in a marketing class and they use Canada Goose as their thing not to do. And I don't know if you know what Canada Goose is. It's those jackets. Yep. And so they're like, oh, well, this is bad marketing because it's animal fur and it's this and it's that. And I'm like, all right, we're going to have this discussion then. <laughs> so that was like a 10 minute discussion and... It was getting, it wasn't very nice. <laughs> I don't think I was very nice about it. <laughs> I believe if you're going to kill an animal, you are to use every bit and piece of it. Yep. And I'm pretty yeah. sure my teacher eats meat. So if you're eating meat, 
There is fur on it. There is other pieces that are going to get used. So they're going to use that to make your coats. Yep. Same as the rawhide thing. You're just kind of recycling everything. And I rather wear a real fur coat than that synthetic crap. <laughs> because what the hell do they put in that stuff? And how good can that be for your body? Yeah. So I will pay the extra money for something real. And because <laughs> I know where it comes from and I know it's better for me. Yep, yeah, 100%. I've got maybe like 30 cowhides in my apartment. <laughs> and people are like, well, that's cruelty, you know, stripping the hide off an animal. I'm like, well, they're already killed for their meat, so what's the difference? I'm not, th I don't want to throw that out. Yeah, it's, see, put a use to it. Yep. Because that animal sacrificed its life, we are damn sure going to use everything. Yeah, and it's probably going to get me some hate, but. Go for it. <laughs> hate is good. Um, is, hate is always good. <laughs> I have all the respect in the world for animals, but at the end of the day, I got put on top of the food chain, and that's not my fault. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not just going to go kill something for the sake of killing it. God, I'm no. use, use it, but, you know, the, just the animal cruelty thing and everything else goes back and yada yada. And yeah, it, it's not my fault I was put on top of the food chain. I'm sorry, but... No, it's, it how, is true. That's how the cookie crumbles. Exactly, it is true. Like, I did a lot of raising. I raised a lot of pigs and cattle and birds and everything like that. But the biggest thing we were into was pigs. And mm -hmm. so we had heritage breeds like large black, tamworth, Styrox, stuff like that. We didn't do any of that commercial shit. And our pig, so we had a couple, maybe four sows and two boars at a time or something like that. We, we didn't have very many, but we had a good amount of piglets. When you have four sows, give pop all pretty much within a, few, a week or so apart of each other. There's a lot of piglets running around. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but all our sows had so much love in the boars and all the piglets, like, We'd come in, they'd get their belly scratches, we spoiled them rotten with their their mud holes. Their house was literally a condo. It was ridiculous how clean it was. And, you know, we would even open up their fence so they'd run around the farm and they'd lie down at our front door and that's where their spot was to sleep. And I'm sorry, but if I'm going to kill an animal, I'm going to damn well make sure they live the best life they could in the sh time they had. Yep. And Absolutely. I know it's harder to do that when you have hundreds of cattle and stuff like that, but you're going to try your hardest to make sure those cattle are well-fed and they have good surroundings. Absolutely. You know, they, they're they what keeping us going. I mean, they're our food. You know, they're hides I use for a business, for an income. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you're damn right I'm going to take good care of them. And all the negativity that we get from people that don't understand our lifestyle is because they see the bad side of it. They see the people that don't do what they should be doing, that are abusing these animals, that are just neglecting them and stuff like that. They are giving us the bad name. Exactly. And you do one bad thing and everyone's going to remember it forever. Mm -hmm. But you got a hundred people that do the right thing and nobody notices because it just goes under the radar because there's no 
drama or news in it. Well, yeah, exactly. Like you just said, you're going to get hate for what you just said. Well, negative feedback and drama is a lot of people say good publicity because mm-hmm. everybody's going to want to know, oh, why are they getting negative feedback? What are they doing? What are they saying? And then they're going to use that and slap that label onto everybody that does something yep. good, even though they don't care what they do. It's that one person did or said that. Everybody's like that then. Yep, absolutely. It's it's upsetting to see, and that's the goal of this podcast, is to have multiple different people on this podcast talking about what they do and their beliefs and educating the world and trying I know it's a big word to change our industry to show people we are good. Yeah, absolutely. And if I don't remember who had said it, I had read it somewhere, but they said if you don't have an enemy or someone that disagrees with you, you've never stood up for anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That kind of hits home. Like, you're absolutely right. And it's okay to have differences with people. And you, I've got friends that live a totally different lifestyle from me. And whether it be politically or religiously, anything like that, you know, we could be off the wall differently, but we're still good friends because we respect, you know, you're entitled to your opinion, you're entitled to your beliefs, and more power to you. And it's just, we don't have to hate each other by any means. That is a dying breed because there are so many people out here now, especially in my generation and generations behind me, they are soft. Yep. You say one negative thing to them, it's the end of the world. Yep. They can't take it. And uh, where was it I heard this? I, I know this is going to sound horrible. This is completely off topic. But we are in a world where there's anti-bullying and all kinds of stuff like that. There's got to be a little bit of bullying in the world to not make soft people because people have to understand <laughs> that criticism is good. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, it makes you grow. Talk- it grows your knowledge. You, you got to get criticized a little bit to make your brain work to understand like, okay, why is this person disagreeing with me or calling me out on my shit? Why? You know, what is their reasoning behind it? Yeah. You know, and that, kind of goes back to the whole social media thing you know with my tiktok you know i've got some on there that i'm a pretty big smart ass but i'm not doing it to be malicious or a bully by any means you're doing it to educate somebody yeah i mean if you want to open your mouth and be a smart ass back it up like i say you're not gonna hurt my feelings i'll promise you that like i just you're gonna have the hardest time offending me ever and so more power to you but if you're gonna dish it out you better be able to take a little shit back i think no exactly complete we've gone completely off topic but it still goes back to (laughs) we are a dying breed and we don't take shit and we have opinions yeah and you know it i mean it kind of depends on how you want to look at it but it really couldn't be too far off topic because with horses i mean it's the same thing you've got to be able to understand where they're coming from too i mean they're not gonna i mean they've got to pass you know whether it comes from a different trainer that abused the hell out of them or beat them or whatever, you know, and now I get that horse, you know, I've got to understand where he's coming from and what I would normally do, you know, might not necessarily work for that horse. So I've got, I've got to be able to understand 
okay, why are you feeling this way? What What's making you want to run away from me or run me over? You know, mm-hmm. get his perspective of it, I guess, rather than just force my my training method on him. You know, that's where the horsemanship comes into play is you got to figure out the problem. What, you know, I think people look, they look for the problem, but they don't want to fix the, the symptoms of it. No, they, they want to tippy toe around it. Yep. And the whole natural horsemanship thing. Listen to um, tomorrow's episode. We talked about natural horsemanship a little bit with Reed. Mm-hmm. The whole perspective about, I'm, I'm not trying to say natural horsemanship's not a thing. There is, it, there is no thing of su- such thing as natural horsemanship. It always was there. You didn't come up with it. It was something that was always... If, if you are doing it, somebody did it 100 years ago. You did not come up with it. And there's nothing natural about it. Because what you're doing is... Uh, how, much, how do I say this? Um, I'm looking for there's my nothing, There's nothing natural about a horse being rode. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I, I totally agree. And um, so there's these things going around, and especially my area, because it's this big thing. To me, it's a scam. But anyways, where come and learn natural horsemanship. Come and learn how to talk to your horse and train it just by reading its mind and telling it telepathically what to do. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but that's not going to happen. And... The way for you to train your horse and to understand what's going on with your horse is body language. Yeah. You're not going to read its mind. Ain't going to happen. The only way you can read its mind is by learning its body language and learning your own body language. Yeah. You know, and that's, you know, kind of like I was saying, you got to, you know, see, see where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. Figure out the problems. Okay. Why are you wanting to run off? Why are you wanting to buck me off? Why are you wanting to kick me? You know, and you got to build from that. And I guess my kind of three rules of horsemanship is there's no method, no natural horsemanship, none of that. But what it takes is consistency, empathy, and good intentions. Exactly. I agree 100%. And kind of go back to this whole soft people thing like that. If you are a soft person and you have no dominance in your body, the horse is going to run all over you. It's not going to respect you. It's not going to understand that your body yeah. language means work, you know? Yeah, I wouldn't say that I necessarily disagree with that, but I, would, I wouldn't I would use the word dominant as I would probably confident. Um, yes, you know, a like, lot better word, yes. A, yeah, if you were you know, on a team, and if you were the team leader, it's not that you're going to be the boss, or even you're working at a job, you know, there's a boss, and then there's a leader, and there's mm-hmm. two differences, and a leader is going to be right there with you, showing you how to do it, giving you the confidence, being confident enough that if you have a question, they can come to you, um, but if you're just a boss, you know, people are going to kind of push back on you a little bit, because you think you're too good to get down and do the grunt work, or you just bossing around tell them to do this and do that so yeah i think we're definitely on the same page just different wording i think yeah i'm horrible with wording i'm <laughs> i will start stuttering looking for my words and then just like if i start texting you and they're you're like what is she trying to say or you take it like in a bad way sometimes 
I'm not meaning what I'm trying to say. It's just because yeah. I don't know how to freaking word it, and I have I yep. struggle really hardly with that. My first language is English, and when I went and did all these placement tests for to go back into school, so they test me in English and French. I passed French with flying colors. I do not have to take any French classes. English, <laughs> I failed hardcore. I have I'm in English 101 right now. <laughs> because of a goddamn essay that I could not word. And I am struggling so hard in English class right now because of my wording. I know how to speak and I know how to try to explain what I'm saying, but if you want to word it, me to word it into one sentence without me explaining it for 10 minutes, it's not going to happen. I'm not going to make any sense. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. And that's what I like about horses. I don't need to talk to them. I just need to yep. show them what I want and use the body language because yep. I don't need to talk. I Honestly, sometimes I can go a whole day without even opening my mouth. Okay, that's a lie. I talk to myself and I will talk to my horse and I sound crazy, but I'm not trying to explain them things. Yeah, um, I'm the same way. I can, you know, I spent quite a bit of time, you know, cow camps or having out cows or anything like that you spend a lot of alone time and i just seem to be alone most of the time but talking to yourself isn't so bad it's when you start replying to questions you ask yourself is when you start to get a little bit worried there's nothing wrong with that though <laughs> my dad always said the smartest conversations he's ever had in his lifetime was with himself <laughs> and you know and you know what? It's sometimes where you do need to talk to yourself is you're just getting the the, the hamster wheel rolling. You got to yep. figure out something. And then once you figure it out, you'll be like, oh, Harley, yeah. Okay, yeah. You understand now, right? You got this, right? <laughs> you give yourself like, and then you're good to go. So you shouldn't really start asking questions. There's not a whole <laughs> truth to that. Oh, uh, that's probably true. And... Maybe there's there's some red flags there, but we're horse people. We're cowboys and cowgirls and ranchers. There's a lot of red flags with us. That's no lie. And us talking to ourselves is the least of our worries. <laughs> it really is. It's My mom's a big germaphobe, and I will spend all day cleaning stalls and out in the dirt and then I'll eat my sandwich with full of horse poop on my hands, and it drives her insane. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. And I remember it, one time I stitched up a prolapse on a big fat cow. Mm-hmm. Got her stitched up. And it was about lunchtime, and I didn't even think about it. I got busy doing something else, putting stuff away. Went in and started eating a sandwich, and then realized I still had a bunch of dried blood on my hands. Oh, <laughs> yep. But you're like, oh, well, I'm already eating the sandwich. Damage yeah. is done. I may as well just keep eating. Now. Yeah, no, exactly. And honestly, it's the least of my concerns because if I had to wash my hands for everything I did in the barn, I think I'd spend three quarters of my time in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, that you'd be getting sick all the time. I don't remember the last time I've been sick. So. Have some kids. You'll get sick all the time because they go to daycare. <laughs> my immune system. Uh, I think I'm just going to take your word for it on that one. <laughs> it's true. Trust me, I was, I'm not a daycare believer, but my son's in daycare and stuff like that, and right now, and then he starts school next year, so he keeps coming home sick, and it keeps getting me so sick, and like, 
I have never been so sick in my life since my child has gone to daycare. <laughs> and it's like, why do why do I put myself through this? And I feel like he just gets over a cold, and then he goes to daycare for a day or two, and he comes home back with a new cold. <laughs> it's just like, why? <laughs> and it's, 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 yeah, have kids, you'll, you'll see your immune system sucks. But, <laughs> um, out, um, so my boyfriend's from Alberta and he's like, well, out there, uh, you know, the kids play in the mud so much and in the horse manure and stuff like that. We give them a, a little bit of the dewormer to get the worms out of them and stuff like that. And I'm like, holy crap, you guys, you guys let your kids run out crazy. And I've like, I've tried dewormers like just out of curiosity to see what they taste like. But I never thought of giving that to my own child. It just tells you what you know, 40 hours of distance between one province and the other, how different it is. Yeah. I remember <laughs> having a real bad sinus infection one time, I think. Guy had talked me into taking a bunch of horse penicillin. It, <laughs> I'm not going to say it didn't work, but I think I'd have rather had the cold. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have my I have a first aid kit for my horses out here in my kitchen. It's got everything and everything. And I will go to my horse products first before I go to my local pharmacy for human stuff. Yeah. You know, like, I've got a nitro cream and that goes on wounds and stuff like that. That thing heals a human, scar, like, gash or whatever so quickly. It's insane. Like, it doesn't even have time to even scab up before it's healed. <laughs> and so my, um... My three-year-old, he got some fungus in between his feet. Because I guess he was at his dad's and his his shoes got wet or I don't know what happened. And he stayed in some humid shoes or something like that. So he got a little bit of fungus in between his big toe. And I have some MTG for fungus. and the, So I'm like, Colton, we're going to put some horse product on you to cure your fungus. And he's like, no, no that's for horses and I'm like no Colton you're gonna be fine he's like well it's gonna burn it's for it's it's for horses so he in his head he just thinks it's a really big animal they can put up with more than us can I'm like no 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 he's like it smells like bacon and I'm like here smell it he's like oh cool so that kind of got a little he's like I'm gonna smell like a bacon ball so anyways I got the MTG on his toes and the next day he he looks at his toes when he wakes up he's like mommy mommy I'm like what He's like, it's gone. I'm like, I told you, it works. <laughs> it's too funny. Uh, no, I love my horse products. They they work a lot better than anything else. Yeah. It's like the, the mane and tail. For years, we all used it on ourselves for washing our hair and washing our body. Now they sell it in Walmart. <laughs> when we, I remember when I was a kid and I was, I had friends over and they saw that in my bathtub. They thought I was crazy. Well, frick, now it's, the big markets are picking it up and selling it to the world. It's like, really? Yep. Yeah, we've completely gone from multiple different subjects. <laughs> we've kind of covered about everything, haven't we? Yeah, that's, honestly, like, I come into these, I'm like, what is the point of asking all kinds of questions? It's boring. If you stick to one subject and you just... Make it sound like an interview. Why not just have some fun with it and just kind of drift everywhere? Yeah, definitely. It's a lot more natural and not so... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, see, I Staged? Told... Yes, exactly. See, I'm so bad with words. 
So bad. <laughs> My whole podcast series is going to be like Harley saying, well, what's the word I'm looking for? Oh, what, huh? <laughs> I think it's better if I stop talking. <laughs> I'll let you guys do the talking. So questions are usually good. Now, once I get questions and I get on a topic, well, I can really roll. But starting the conversations, I'm not always the greatest at. <laughs> I don't know if you've had some conversations with Reed on the phone there, but I had the first one a couple days ago with him. And we're an hour and a half into it. And he's like, okay, I'm going to stop here because I can go for another couple hours. And I think we should save the rest of the conversations for another podcast episode. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly, I have not listened to the episode yet. I'm going to do that later. I probably got maybe 50 words out. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, Reed's a good guy to talk to. We talked a little bit on Facebook. I'm kind of the same way. If I get rolling on horsemanship, you just, well, get comfortable because I can go on for quite a while. Probably repeat myself a lot, but. Oh, at least you're getting your point across. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Have you talked to Amanda lately? I saw her video go up about on her putting the horse on the mattress. That was pretty, pretty interesting. I saw the video. I haven't really talked to her much here. Oh, I think I talked to her when she was in Arizona or something, maybe. Yeah, but yeah, she's hit three <laughs> states in like the past two weeks. I'm really, I got to call her and get her back up on the podcast to talk about everything that's going on. Cause she's got a lot going on. Yeah, she does. Pretty cool. I, I kind of did that for a few years. I was all over the place it's kind of neat to kind of get everyone's perspective from different parts of the country and how different people do things and i had actually was in california for a while and riding colts with a kid from canada Mm -hmm. and it's just kind of neat to you know i can travel about anywhere in the country and if i had to stop and spend the night somewhere i'd got a friend about anywhere i think that that's kind of neat to just through social media how far that can go i guess yeah no that's what i'm honestly i'm loving this i talking yesterday i want to send um wyatt over to farrier school because he's got a good mindset for it plus when i have horses it's cheaper for me (laughs) (laughs) farriers are expensive Yes, and I, I love the farrier I have like i love him literally like i tell him how much i love him because he's the best but it gets expensive after when you have a, quite a few horses. Yep. And so I was like, oh, well, I'd like you to go to farrier school. You know, it's a good job to have. It's a good skill to know. So we're looking into going into Oklahoma mm-hmm. to go down there to do his schooling. And I'm like, oh, you know what? If I, once I get my trailer, maybe we should go together and I can kind of gypsy around while you're stuck in school. <laughs> and go learn some stuff and kind of travel the state. So we're, we're aiming for next year, which would be nice. That'd be cool. I, I just want to learn from multiple different people. Like, everybody has some different way to teach, and I want to learn that. Definitely. That was one of the things I'll never regret is, you know, I had bounced around from ranch to ranch, whether it was cowboying or a ranch hand or riding colts or anything. Um, you know, you pick something up, and a lot of times I could pick something up from one place and move to the next place and show them, and they're like, oh, yeah, that works pretty slick, and, you know, mm-hmm. vice versa. Yep. Yeah, that was, I'll never regret the time I spent traveling around and working for so many different places and different people. And a lot of people say, like, aren't you, Harley, aren't you tired of cleaning stalls for people and stuff like that? I, like, you know, 
you've been doing this enough years, why do you keep going down, like, kind of, like, getting demoted, if you can say it that way, kind of, you know, like, Mm -hmm. but I don't class that as a getting demoted, that's a new, yes, I'm going to somebody else's house to clean their shit, but once I'm done cleaning that stall, I probably learned about 10 new things standing in this stall with this horse, and then once the whole barn's done and my task and my duties are done, I know damn well that guy or girl is going to train me and teach me something during the day. Yeah. I will, I will clean up whatever they've got. I will do all the dirty work, the grunt work, because I want to show them and give them something. So they give me something. Yeah. And cleaning stalls is, it takes a lot of time to get it all done. And if I can help somebody by giving them more time in their day, I will gladly do it because I'm learning when I'm cleaning that stall because it's a different horse. The more horses I can touch in life, the more I learn because every oh, horse yeah. is different. And, and I mean, it's just kind of like paying your dues. You know, if you're willing to do, you say kind of the grunt work and whatever else people are going to take that as, you know, she's hungry for knowledge and they're going to mm-hmm. spend a lot more time trying to teach you than they are with somebody that shows up and thinks they're too good to pick up a ship fork or anything like that. And just want all the answers. Yeah, like, I've had some people come and work a little bit with me or kind of, like, just wanted to learn and stuff. And I'm like, all right, well, where you're going to start is you're going to go in that stall and you're going to learn to read that horse. You're going to learn that horse. Mm -hmm. And if they're not willing to do that, you do not, um, what's the word? Oh, my God. See it? I'm doing it, Dan. (laughs) Um... You don't belong on that horse. You you do not have, like, it just, if if you cannot walk it on the ground and you cannot do all the grunt work, there's, why should you be riding the horse? Why would yep. you deserve that? Yep, exactly. Put in the effort and earn it rather than just feel like you're entitled to it. No, exactly. And people that feel the entitlement don't belong in our industry. Yep. But, yeah. So, that's... I think we've pretty much covered everything tonight. I think so. We've just about got all the world problems solved, I think. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think so, really. We figured out the horse industry. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's cocky to say, though. That's never going to happen. <laughs> no, they're, the, horse, the horse community can be some of the absolute best people you'll ever meet and then also some of the absolute worst people you could ever meet yeah where you question your life choices yeah and i think that's maybe two out of seven days a week (laughs) maybe i think maybe a little bit more especially when you're working with people yeah if you're on your own doing your own thing that's better yep i agree 100 (laughs) percent Oh, I loved having you on here. And, yeah, that's uh, good. Thanks for I'm looking me. forward to having you on a couple more times. Yeah, definitely. So that wraps up our fourth episode. Now, don't forget to follow JD on Instagram and TikTok at Hot Ballet Horsemanship. And don't forget to give us a follow at The Wild Sorrel. This podcast would not be going on without you guys. And I really hope you guys enjoyed it. If you guys have any suggestions on anybody you want to hear on this podcast feel free to inbox us with some names we will take any suggestion and try to get them on 
Uh, have a great night, guys. We'll see you next week.